man, do we have a podcast for you guys. Welcome into the Chiefs on Podcast. I'm Farzi Vasugian. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, we have seen the good, the bad, and the ugly this season. We really have. The Chiefs are at 6-4. and four. This is their first game after the bye, and people are hitting the panic button. People want all sorts of changes, left and right, but, man, I... I there's so much to get into. I mean, we're going to digest this game and really go into this team because there's a lot to talk about. And I have to eat some crow because, man, was I wrong about this game. Uh, nobody saw this coming. And we've got a lot to discuss here on this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. I'm Farzee Vasugian. Appreciate you guys downloading and listening to another episode of the podcast for your first-time listener. Hey, welcome in. Kind of a bad time to join, but hey, stick with us. We always have fun here. Talking about the Chiefs win or lose or draw, uh, as that could have been the case in this game. Uh, Nonetheless, definitely going to be recapping the game between the Chiefs and Giants. Just a very disappointing performance by the Kansas City Chiefs. Very ugly game on both sides. But listen, uh, at the end of the day, it's better for one team to win ugly than lose pretty. And at the end of the day, the Giants won ugly. They're the ones that are happy about this. Maybe their fan base isn't, which I'll get into in just a moment. But man... Uh, th- 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 this is just hard to watch. It really is. Uh, this is not the same football team that started off 5-0, and dominating and firing on all cylinders, especially on offense. This is not that same football team anymore, and I don't know why. And the Chiefs were playing some damn amazing teams early on. The Patriots, the Eagles, the Texans with Deshaun Watson. And I know the Eagles are a little bit of a different team now, but it doesn't take away from the fact that they're still one of the best teams in the, in the league right now. You look across the board and just some of the teams the Chiefs beat early on and now who they're losing to. This is not characteristic of them. So there's a lot to discuss with this Chiefs football team and we're going to dive into it in just a moment. I want to remind you guys, be sure you interact with me on Facebook and Twitter. Facebook.com slash Farzee Give my Facebook page a like. Follow me on there. Of course, the Facebook Lives we do at halftime and after the game. And... Boy, I've got to say, after the game, I've never had that many people join in for a Facebook conversation and have that many comments. There was a lot of people who had a lot of things to say after this game. Uh, From wanting everything blown up, people wanting Alex Smith benched for Pat Mahomes, we'll touch on that. People wanting Andy Reid fired and the entire coaching staff gone. That I'll get into as well. But man, uh, and I love social media because part of it is, and I said this on Facebook Live, part of it is... If your team's not doing good in any sport, you can at least make some jokes, crack crack some humor here and there, and, and join in on the fun. But that's the kind of sports fan I am. I mean, look, if my team's losing, I choose not to get too frustrated. I'll get upset in the moment, but afterwards it's just, hey, look, another disappointing loss for my sports teams. What can I say? Uh, good thing I'm a KU basketball fan because I'm used to uh, disappointments. Just look at how they do in March. That's all I can really say as a fan of this team. Uh, it's just disappointing to see. Uh, Twitter.com slash Farzine21. That's me on Twitter. Send me a tweet at Farzine21. You guys can also email me, Farzine at Farzinevasugian.com. Before we do get started with the podcast, do want to give a big congratulations to Morgan Gannum. He's actually the guy singing this song that you hear right now, Chop It Up, uh, with his former band Sounds. He's, of course, moved on. He's done big things. And he's DJing now in... Oklahoma, so you guys can check him out 
If you live in the Tulsa area, you can check them out on Tulsa 106.9 K-Hits from 4 to 8 p.m. on Sundays. So it, it, he's a huge Chiefs fan, so, and I'm sure he's able to follow with the team, maybe not able to watch every game, but, man, this guy's pa- uh, chasing his dream, his passion, and he's done a great job with that, and he's, of course, generous enough to allow us to use this song for his podcast. Definitely want to get him on the podcast sometime because I know he's been following the Chiefs very closely uh, this season as much as he travels and works and trying to uh, further himself in, in, in the music industry. Uh, but now if you, if you guys are in the Tulsa area or even if you want to check him out online, 106.9 K-Hits, 4 to 8 p.m. on Sundays. Uh, Morgan Gannum, now the newest DJ there. All right, good news for Morgan, but of course we've got to just turn the tables and get to the bad news here. Uh, listen, um... I have to admit that I was wrong here. I said the Chiefs would win this game 41-17. to If I'm not mistaken, I believe that was the score prediction I had. Uh, I don't even want to remember if that what was the exact prediction, if, if that was wrong. But I predicted a blowout, as did a lot of people. But I was, I was pretty high on this. I said that the Chiefs... Oh, I can't believe I'm saying this. I said the Chiefs needed to, and they would, score a touchdown on their first two drives. They didn't score a single touchdown in this game. I said this offense, Kareem Hunt, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey would all run wild, all have great games. Kelsey and Hill played great, but Hunt didn't. And Hunt was the one that I was praising the most to have a great game. And I, this is a great starting point. Let's just go, go to the offense for a moment here. Uh, listen, the Chiefs' defense, they're, they're not great. They weren't great in this game. But they surrendered only nine points in, the, in four quarters. If your defense holds the Giants to nine points in four quarters... And if your offense cannot score more than nine on the Giants in four quarters, you just don't deserve to win this football game. If your defense holds the New York Giants to nine points, you have to come away with a win. You just have to. The Chiefs, at best, all they could do was force overtime. They got three field goals. Great to see Harrison Butker doing his thing. Butt kicker kicking butt as always. Getting three more field goals in. Hasn't missed since his first field goal of the season. His first field goal of his career. But since then, man, Harrison Butker... Doing, doing big things for the Chiefs. He's always coming through whenever the offense can't. He's made 19 field goals this season out of 20 attempts. First attempt he missed, he's made the rest of the 19 that he's attempted. So good for him. But man, the offense, all they could do was force overtime in this game. And boy, the Chiefs offense repeatedly running the same plays the, the trips left or trips right screenplay, that eventually was blown up a couple of times to the point that they don't even run that play anymore. But of course, the Chiefs this year, and announcers have picked up on this, and eventually teams have as well. The Chiefs have this play where they have two running backs line up in the backfield, one of them being Tyreek Hill. Uh, so you have two speedsters, I should say. Not necessarily two running backs, but you get the idea. Two speedsters in the backfield, do a fake handoff to one of them, and then do a quick pitch to Kelsey, where Kelsey generally does a good job in gaining yards. But listen, man, this is this is an era where game film is a huge part of preparation. And look, even the worst teams in the NFL can study game film, learn tendencies, and find a way to stop teams. The Giants did exactly that. Ben McAdoo did exactly that. This Giants defense did exactly that. The Giants' defense saw the formation. They said, okay, this could happen, and the players were ready for it. As soon as they saw the fake handoff and the pitch to Kelsey, boom. Right then and there, it was trouble 
from the start, and the Giants' defense shut it down, had none of it, and forced a turnover there. And part of that, I I think, should also fall on Alex Smith. A lot of it should be on Andy Reid and the coaching staff, more so Andy Reid because he's a play caller, but it also should fall on Alex Smith because, you know, he should see that Kelsey was not in good position to gain any yards and that the play could be in jeopardy. And as we saw, we saw the interception there. And speaking of bad play calls on offense, late in the game, tied at six, the Chiefs run a strange play Trips left and trips right, which means you don't have five down linemen. You have four quote-unquote offensive linemen at the line of scrimmage in the middle. Strange play with Travis Kelsey getting uh, the pass, a backwards pass, that is. So a lateral. You can still pass it forward at this point. Kelsey, and this almost turned into, it could have ended differently. Travis Kelsey, from the spot where he threw it, threw a pass that went 50 yards intended for Demarcus Robinson, picked off by Landon Collins, uh, which didn't go well at all. And by the way, I mentioned Eric Fisher, uh, this play almost ended in a sack, which, look, that essentially would have been the better outcome, of course, but uh, Eric Fisher had to leave his assignment because he was lined up right next to Travis Kelsey, right beside him. Uh, left his assignment to quickly go pick up another block, threw that guy out, and that gave Kelsey the time he needed to throw that pass, which ended up being intercepted, unfortunately. And here's a sign of the Chiefs just getting too cute. They tried this a few weeks ago on Monday Night Football with Tyreek Hill. Didn't work. The Giants did the exact same thing with the Tyreek Hill interception with Shane Vereen, and it failed. The difference is it almost worked because, boy, Daniel Sorensen had to come out of nowhere to come away with that interception. A great awareness from him. If he did not see that coming, then that would have been an, a, a touchdown early on for the Giants. But man, uh, I mean, that could have been, uh, the score could have been a lot different, but it was not the case. Point being, the Chiefs are getting too cute. The Giants tried to do a cute play with Shane Vereen. It failed. The Chiefs tried to one-up that. It failed. So horrible, horrible play calling and coaching on both ends here. When it comes to trick plays and trying to trying to get too cute. Listen, Travis Kelsey, for the most part, though, had a great game. A couple of drops, but look, when you're carrying this football team, you have nine catches for 109 yards. This guy has the most 100-plus receiving yard games since he started playing in 2014. Tyree Kill, great game from him, was targeted seven times in this game and caught all seven passes thrown to him, including a nice deep pass from Alex Smith to get the Chiefs close. To eventually get a field goal. Uh, Kareem Hunt in this game. Boy, I don't know what has happened to Kareem Hunt. This is I, I, He's had a couple of flashes here and there. But for the most part, man, he has not been very good. He ran 18 times for 73 yards. Longest run went for 12 yards. This is his third consecutive game without a 100-plus yard game from scrimmage. After doing so in the first seven games. Defensively. The Chiefs aren't allowing a lot of points in a lot of their games, but they're also not getting much accomplished. No pressure on Eli Manning for most of this game. Eli Manning's jersey was, in fact, pretty clean for for most of the game. Was pressured a couple of times here and there, but barely had any major trouble that he had to deal with. By, By the way, he even ran for a first down on third and nine. We're talking about Eli Manning running when he needs nine yards and gets a little bit more for a first down. By the way, I know a lot of people have said this, but Philip Gaines, 
Uh, he has no business being a quarterback in this league. And the Chiefs have been more than patient with him, to be honest. Steven Nelson, we were anticipating his return. And to be honest, he has been a liability more than an advantage for the Chiefs. Derek Johnson, he's regressing. Justin Houston didn't play well in this game, going up against a rookie right tackle, undrafted, mind you. And Chris Jones has been very quiet lately as well. This is a, and I've said this a hundred times, and I'll say it again. This, the most frustrating part about this Chiefs season is that the offense has been playing great for at least most of the season. Not the case in this game. And when the offense picks it up, the defense just goes right down. And I don't know where all this, how all this happened. This defense led the league in sacks and in, in takeaways last year. And don't blame this on Eric Berry's absence. In 2011, the Chiefs' defense still played fairly well without Eric Berry. They had a phenomenal game against the Packers, as you may remember, handing them their first and only loss of the regular season. And then in 2014, when he had a couple of injuries and also had to step away once he found out he had Hodgkin's lymphoma, the Chiefs' defense never allowed a team to score more than 30 points in a game, even without Eric Berry. Eric Berry only played six games in 2014, and that defense was still great. This has been the same defense for the most part throughout these past few years but for whatever reason this year this defense has regressed and it has not been very pretty it's been atrocious to watch it really is give credit to the giants though man they they played a horrible game but they're the they're the ones who squeezed out a win unfortunately their fan base wasn't happy i went on the i don't normally do this i I normally don't but you know it was so frustrating i went on to check how Giants fans felt about this. I went to the New York Giants Facebook page. And Giants fans were pissed. This is how bad it is, folks. Giants fans were rooting for the Chiefs. Giants fans are trying to compete with the Cleveland Browns for that number one pick in the draft. Which I think is, is an overrated thing to, to want. But a lot of fans want it. When you see your team isn't doing well, when you know the season is over... People just want the best draft placement possible. Understandable. But man, were Giants fans upset about this. And the Facebook comments were mostly consisted of quote-unquote real fans and quote-unquote fake fans arguing over how embarrassing it is that Giants fans were upset that they won this football game. (laughs) That's how bad it is. Meanwhile, we're over here hitting the panic button. That's what our fan base is doing. According to NFLPickWatch.com, which they take all the expert predictions from CBS, Yahoo, ESPN, Fox Sports, you name it. Uh, and they don't get everybody, a Bleacher Report, all those websites, fan side. They don't get every single quote-unquote expert or, or, or uh, analyst, but they get a majority of them. And from the 100 or so guys that they have, 100% of those experts said the Chiefs were going to win this football game. This excludes... Ike Taylor, former NFL cornerback Ike Taylor, who played with the Steelers for a long time. Uh, This excludes his prediction that he uh, wrote on NFL.com saying that the Giants were going to win and that this is a trap game for the Chiefs. And listen, I I said this on the Facebook Live, I'll say it here. Uh, People get upset when, when their team is doing good, but somebody predicts a loss against a bad team. I'll tell you what, man. When that person makes that kind of a prediction, they're supposedly haters. And they're a fan of the other team. Well, whatever the case may be. And when they're wrong, they're completely stupid. They're idiots. They're morons. 
Look at all the the fans who are pissed off about all the baseball experts who said the Royals were going to be awful. And that only, I think, four of them predicted the Royals were gonna even going to make it to the playoffs. Look at the result. A lot of them were right. Listen, man, generally, 90% of the time, these expert analysts and, and pundits, whatever you want to call them, they're usually right. They miss a, on a few players or a few teams here and there. Everyone does. Nobody's 100% on these things. But listen, Ike Taylor was right. And if you want to be upset about it, you're just a pissed off fan that can't accept the truth. And shockingly, Ike Taylor's prediction came true. Uh, going back to this game, total yards, time of possession, first downs, all fairly close. Uh, not one team dominated the other in that category, but one big difference was that the Chiefs committed three turnovers in this football game. Uh, you had that uh, pass uh, from Alex Smith that went nowhere. Uh, just, just looked completely bad when he was throwing to Travis Kelsey. Another one in the in the fourth quarter where Alex Smith was trying to throw, I don't know to who, but you had Tyreek Hill wide open little more deeper and it would just went straight to the hands of a Giants defender and this is that was an, an unca- uncharacteristic throw by Alex Smith I thought his first two interceptions okay look the giant the one against the Cowboys it was fourth down he was under pressure no one was open he had to throw it taking a sack on fourth down was not an option the Travis Kelsey interception there with that pitch that they continue to run which I promise you they probably won't be doing that anymore because teams are, are now picking up on it but on that play, uh, it's still on him to, to be able to know that Kelsey's in a bad position and that it could be it could be trouble at that point. But this one, man, is truly his first horrible interception of the season. And let's get into that because Alex Smith has not looked very good in the last couple of games. Everyone wants to see Pat Mahomes come in, or at least 90% of Chiefs fans. Pump the brakes. On the Pat Mahomes talk for right now. Alex Smith played like an MVP in six of the first seven games. In the obviously the first five games he played great. In the loss to the Steelers, not so good. In the loss to the Raiders, played phenomenal. Could not have asked for a better game from Alex Smith there. Maybe a better ending on that final drive where the Chiefs had a chance to put the game away, but instead they go three and outs and give the Raiders another chance. Other than that, Alex Smith played like an MVP in the first seven weeks. Since then, oh boy. He looked like the old Alex Smith that reminded us why we wanted Deshaun Watson. The Chiefs traded up 13 spots and got Pat Mahomes instead. Andy Reid has said a couple of times, uh, he's been quoted that Mahomes has done, quote, incredible things in practice. Cool. That's that, that's great, but that's practice. So I'm not going to really gloat on that too much. For now, I say you, and I know this is a very unpopular opinion, but for right now, stick with Alex Smith. He's had a great season so far. He's limited turnovers, and that's a big thing in, in football. But if Alex Smith continues to regress and play like this, if that elite level we saw was just a brief cameo he had, then I can be open to the idea of letting Mahomes come in and replace Alex Smith eventually to finish the season, regardless of the record. You've got to get something going. The Chiefs need to get this offense going again. This offense isn't dynamic anymore. My ideal situation, start Mahomes sometime this year. 
if Smith, especially if Smith continues to struggle. But for sure, start him in 2018 going into week one. Trade Alex Smith either during the offseason or early in the regular season next year. NFL teams always suffer injuries. And even at the quarterback spot. And some are in dire need of a QB. Even if they don't have a QB that goes down to an injury. They go into regular seasons with a horrible QB situation. And Alex Smith would certainly be a major upgrade. The Chiefs will get something from another team. If they can trade Alex Smith. Especially if a team is in desperate need of a quarterback. Or if a top tier team loses its quarterback during the preseason or early in the year. And could use a guy like Alex Smith. A guy who's a veteran and a guy who's not necessarily been a championship type of player. But he has that mentality somewhat. He's played very well for uh, late at times for the 49ers and for the most of his career with the Chiefs. But the Chiefs need something better. And that's why they drafted Mahomes. But Smith could certainly serve well for another team. At that point, the Chiefs can and must and need to move on and start working with this quarterback who they traded up 13 spots to get in the first round. And by the way, do not compare Nathan Peterman to Pat Mahomes. I know Nathan Peterman had a horrible game for the Buffalo Bills, the rookie quarterback for for them, but comparing Nathan Peterman uh, coming in and starting and saying that Pat Mahomes could have the same fate in his first start, listen, there's a huge difference here between Pat Mahomes and Nate Peterman. Let's not get those two mixed up. One quarterback was drafted late in the fifth round. The other was taken 10th overall in a team that traded up 13 spots to do so. Do not compare Pat Mahomes and how he'll do to Nate Peterman and how he did. That's like comparing McDonald's to a high-end restaurant. That's like comparing a community college to a D1 school. That's like comparing one of the small cities in Kansas to Los Angeles or New York City. Do not compare Pat Mahomes to Nate Peterman. I, I, I agree that for right now we should stick with Alex Smith. But to say that Pat Mahomes could have the same fate as Nate Peterman? That, that's, that, that's just... That's horrible. I don't even know where that comes from. I cannot believe that we got to the point where people are comparing Pat Mahomes to Nate Peterman. And people are saying Pat Mahomes isn't ready. Who the hell is ready anymore in the NFL these days? Of course nobody is fully ready. You he, Listen guys, Pat Mahomes, when he goes out there, he's going to throw some interceptions. He's going to make some mistakes. The guy has yet to play a live regular season game. Doing, quote-unquote, incredible things in practice means nothing. It means nothing. You're playing a practice game there. A live game is going to be much different. You've got quarterbacks that are, excuse me, linebackers and defensive linemen that are actually going to hit you. They can actually hit quarterbacks in a live regular season game. And listen, I know Andy Reid cannot necessarily... I mean, every coach is going to sugarcoat everything. They have to. Uh, So Andy Reid can't say, oh, well, let's practice. I get that part. But at the end of the day, uh, do not compare those two quarterbacks. Because I guarantee you... Let's just say it was Pat Mahomes' play. Coincidentally, of course, it was the Bills that traded away that 10th pick to the Chiefs. Let's just say the Bills stuck with that 10th pick and took Pat Mahomes. And they, they chose this game... To have him fill in. I guarantee you Pat Mahomes is not going to have the same game that Nate Peterman had. And I'm going to discuss the Nate Peterman issue a little later. 
But for right now, stick with Alex Smith. But for the love of God, do not compare Pat Mahomes to Nate Peterman. If, if Pat Mahomes started now, I feel like he'd do fairly fine. Maybe not great, and it would take him a little bit of time to get there. But sure as hell, not the same result as a Nate Peterman-led offense. Hell no. And I, it disgusts me that people actually made that comparison. Uh, I want to go to Andy Reid. Because, uh, look, I mentioned the play calling. One thing I did not bring up, uh, the Chiefs had 33, it's somewhere between 33 to 35 seconds on the play clock. Um, and they, 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 they had an opportunity, or excuse me, the game clock rather. Um, they, they had 33 to 35 seconds, somewhere around there, to run a play before the two-minute warning in the second quarter. The play clock was at five. But the game clock hits two minutes. Now listen, as soon as the play's uh, over... When the referee blows the whistle, the 40-second mark starts. Players got to get up after the tackle, so you lose a couple seconds there. But for the most part, coaches can get a play in a play call right away. Alex Smith tells the offense, plenty of time to do that in the huddle, and you get ready and, and go out and run a play. The Chiefs wasted 33 to 35 seconds and did not run a play. The Chiefs are not even trying to win here, or at least that's what it looks like. Even at the end of the game, when they were in field goal range, they were they were playing to tie, not to win in, in, in those final few seconds of regulation. But right before halftime, gosh, uh, the Chiefs weren't trying to win. I was shocked two weeks ago that they went to Tyreek Hill on that touchdown uh, because generally Andy Reid and the Chiefs offense, they never try anything before halftime. They usually just take a knee when they have possession and go to the locker room. Also, can we please shut down all the talks about how amazing Andy Reid is coming off a bye? That conversation needs to end right now. I said this last week. Nobody listened to me. Everyone was making fun of me about it. And I, and I got this lousy producer uh, from another radio station who, uh, and I tweeted this stat, and I got this producer uh, laughing at me about it. I, I don't know who this clown is. Uh, in what sense he tried to make of it. He didn't. All he wrote was LOL, so I'll wait for his response. A logic one th- that he probably won't be able to come up with. But, folks, Andy Reid is 3-3 three and three coming off a bye week as the head coach of the Chiefs, including the postseason loss to the Steelers last season. People kept talking this week about how he is 16-2 and two in the regular season coming off a bye in his career and has never lost to a team under 500 coming off a bye. I loathe historic statistics like this. They mean nothing to me. They're overrated, they're irrelevant, and they don't matter to what's happening right now. I, I hate when people come up with these uh, crazy statistics. Oh, uh, uh, in the five times that these teams have played in the history of the sport... Uh, team A has always won. That means nothing to me. That means nothing. I, I get it. We're uh, we're in a we're, we're we're sports fans that love patterns and historic repeats, and we think that they're going to happen simply just because. And that's not reality. It's not. And I I get shocked when people think that way. Andy Reid in his career. In the regular season, coming off a bye is 16-3 and three now. That means nothing. As the head coach of the Chiefs, including that postseason loss, Andy Reid is 3-3 three and three coming off a bye. 
He's not amazing coming off a bye week, folks. He was. He was. But since coming to Kansas City, coming off a bye does not automatically mean a win for the Chiefs. They have won three times coming off a bye, and they have lost three times coming off a bye. Enough with the bye week boast. It's fake. And listen, as for Andy Reid, he's a problem right now. He he is a problem. But I sure as hell am not calling for him to be fired like a lot of you are. He needs to he needs to do what he did a couple of years ago and hand off the play calling duties to someone else, such as offensive coordinator Matt Nagy. Hello, you have an offensive coordinator. He gave those reins to Doug Peterson, who was the offensive coordinator at the time a couple of years ago. And guess what? The Chiefs won 10 straight games to overcome a 1-5 start and won their first playoff game in forever in 22 years. Andy Reid owns a 49-24 record as the head coach of the franchise. He's been above 500 each season and has made the playoffs three of the four seasons he's been here. Took us to the playoffs back-to-back years, which has not happened since Marty Schottenheimer was the head coach. Doing so in 93 and 94. Andy Reid does need to be held accountable for, for his mistakes and his wrongdoings. But he damn sure should not be fired. He needs to make adjustments for sure. Yes. No, I, I can't imagine anyone saying no to that. He has the highest win percentage as the as a coach in, in franchise history. That one and five start that I mentioned, gosh. And I said this last week. I'll say it again. I don't think other head coaches could have done a better job with that. That one and five start... Uh, the Chiefs. You look at where the Chiefs are now at six and four, still leading the division somehow. After the Chargers won, but the Raiders and Broncos fell. I don't think any other head coach could have done a better job with that one and five start. And the Chiefs have been through much worse. That one and five start is one of them. I'm choosing to be optimistic for right now. Yes, there are some changes that could be made personnel wise, and adjustments need to be made with the coaching staff. But man. And I'll, I'll say this, I, I can agree with a, a change in the defensive coordinator and some of the defensive staff members, but certainly not with Andy Reid. Definitely not with him. I'm choosing to be optimistic right now. The Chiefs, I know it's not pretty. I know it's not pretty, folks. With six games left to go, the Chiefs hold a 6-4 and four record and a two-game lead in the division. And I know you guys are already writing the team off and assuming that they're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. Well, first of all, don't assume things. The playoffs are always a brand new ballgame. Second of all, don't just assume they're going to lose in the playoffs because this AFC West is a little bit wide open now. But with six games left and and a two-game lead, that'll take. And certainly the other teams in the AFC West would love to trade records with the Chiefs right now. You know they would. I'm choosing to be optimistic because I think the Chiefs can, can rebound from this. You have the Chargers and the Raiders at home. So you have an opportunity to defeat them and build a, a, a gap, create a bit of a cushion late in the season in that division race. I'm choosing to be optimistic. One other thing I need to admit that I was wrong about, this is a bold prediction I made, albeit I'll, I'll admit, not a very confident one. I said that the Chiefs were going to go unbeaten the rest of the regular season. <laughs> uh boy uh i would love to have that one back already off to a bad start with that one listen uh i I don't know when i'll predict it i have yet to predict the loss in any of the podcasts i've done at this point uh especially after that patriots game how they looked it's been hard to uh, see this team losing uh at one point even there was a a website i think it was um one of the espn uh websites I, i i can't remember the name of it off the top of my head uh jason whitlock at one point ran that website 
538 is what it's called. 538. Uh, they were listing odds for the remainder of the season, and when they looked at the Chiefs, they favored the Chiefs to win the rest of the game, uh, the rest of the every game, rest of the way. And that was after I think the first couple of games of the season. Now, look, uh, like I said, I, I've yet to predict the loss in any of the preview episodes that I've done. I will say now, I do anticipate another loss or two the rest of the way. I don't know if this Chiefs team is, is going to win 12 or 11 games. But man, uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, this is proof that we got to be really careful. Sure, they got off to a great start and got our hopes up again. And I even said during the, the regular or the offseason, I said, look, even if they get off to a great start, I don't know if I'm going to be optimistic. And I, I, that changed. And we're all prisoners of the moment, for sure. But this just teaches you, man, do not assume things. This game, and I, I've said this the last few games, but I, I think this one more than ever, this game has to be a wake-up call. Ben McAdoo, the head coach of the Giants, he had a quote-unquote brutally honest meeting with his team. I think it's time Andy Reid has a brutally honest meeting with the Chiefs moving forward before the next game because they've got to figure things out. Otherwise, we could be in for a downward spiral, a collapse, and possibly a team that goes from Super Bowl contender to missing the playoffs. I remember that happened with the Broncos when they started 6-0 in 2009. Josh McDaniel's first year, they missed the playoffs. This team is looking a lot like that Broncos team. And you certainly don't want the Chiefs to look like that. I'm choosing to be optimistic with a two-game lead and first place in the AFC West. Let's hope the Chiefs can figure things out. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. Former NFL player and current Fox Sports analyst Chris Carter tweeted that the Patriots were without two offensive linemen, tackle Marcus Cannon and center Davis Andrews, yet they still hung 33 on the Raiders to win 33-8 in Mexico City. Look, Kansas City played without some of their uh, offensive linemen earlier in the season and were winning earlier. Uh, Like I said, uh, they were winning just fine without a couple of their offensive linemen. Mitch Morris, LDT, they got some of those players back and more, and they've started losing. Listen, every team has shocking losses, but it's very limited with the Patriots. This is why the Patriots are great. Talk about Deflategate and Spygate, all of that all you want. At the end of the day, the Patriots have been consistently great, and they have limited their stunning losses because this is a team that just doesn't make excuses. Even when Tom Brady was absent, they went 3-1. and one. This team makes no excuses regardless who's playing and who's not. They go out there on game day, any given Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Saturday, whatever, they go out there and they play football. This is why they are one of the best teams in the NFL right now and one of the best teams in NFL history. Now, speaking of the Patriots, they're one of the best teams right now. So are the Eagles, the Steelers, the Vikings, the Rams. They get talked about a lot as some of the best teams in the NFL right now. Here are a couple of teams that aren't getting talked about as much. This team actually is starting to get some love more and more, but the Saints, they started 0-2. They have won eight straight since then, recently beating the Redskins 34-31. They're 8-2 right now. They are second in total offense and eighth in total defense. 
This is a team that's quietly creeping up on the league, and they're going to be one of the hottest teams to watch out for in the NFC going into the postseason. They're a team that you don't want to go up against. Another team you don't want to go up against, and this is a team that's quietly playing great. Ask yourself right now. Answer this in your heads, folks. The Jacksonville Jaguars, what's their record right now? You may not know. They're 7-3, leading the AFC South. A better record than the Chiefs. Right now, they are behind New England and Pittsburgh for that number two seed. They've got an eye on that. And they've already beaten the Steelers, by the way. They have a top 10 offense, a top 5 defense, and Jacksonville, by the way, they're allowing the fewest points per game this year. Just a little more than 14 points per game. Doug Marone, head coach of the Jaguars, as long as the Jaguars continue this little trend they've got going here, Doug Marone should absolutely be the coach of the year this season. He's done a phenomenal job with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the turnaround they've had. They're definitely the most surprising team this year. And they're 7-3, and three, creeping up on the Steelers and the Patriots for the best record in the conference. Did not see that coming at all. Let's go out of bounds. Oh my. <laughs> this is fun. Here's the latest... Politician versus sports battle. Donald Trump versus LeVar Ball. Alright, President Donald Trump has re- he reached out to uh, the president of China, Xi Jinping, to resolve the situation with the three UCLA players, one of them being LeVar Ball's son, due to the recent theft they committed. Now, they were, of course, got in a lot of trouble. Players are now back in the US. But LeVar Ball, of course, everyone knows about him. More, more about him than his son Lonzo Ball who got drafted second overall by the Lakers and is not playing too well at all but LeVar Ball says Trump didn't do anything to help basically not really thanking him in any way publicly Trump fires back on Twitter which is where he always goes and says that he should have left those players in China for them to go to jail oh boy you've got two massive egos Donald Trump and LeVar Ball like, I, I would love to see this as, like, the headliner for a UFC event right now. Because you've got two massive egos, two very unpopular guys going at it. And it's just... Listen, let me just be honest about one thing here. We are in a society where we love to pick sides. We just love to pick sides. We do. Whose side are you on in this situation? Oh, boy. Uh, this is not good. Uh, one other thing to talk about in this segment. Oscar De La Hoya... Uh, said, of course, we all know Conor McGregor had that big mega fight with Floyd Mayweather earlier this year. And, of course, he's got to return to MMA because that's the sport. He holds a belt in, in uh, one of those divisions. But Oscar De La Hoya said he has been, quote, secretly training for Conor McGregor, which is uh, uh, no longer a secret. Listen, this is like uh, Oscar De La Hoya has been secretly training. I've been secretly training for Conor McGregor, folks. It's not a secret anymore. That's like saying, I'm, I, hey, uh, babe, uh, I've, I've been secretly planning a marriage proposal with you tonight uh, after dinner. Like, like, you're giving things away now at this point. Uh, th- this is just ridiculous. Uh, this could have easily been in the penalty flag segment. I uh, should have done that. But nonetheless, uh, Oscar de la Hoya is no longer, quote unquote, secretly training for Conor McGregor. So he, 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 could, he, he, he could be training for him. It's just not a secret anymore. 
Final segment, let's throw some penalty flags. I talked a little bit about this earlier in the podcast. Sean McDermott, he announced earlier this week that Nate Peterman was going to start over Tyrod Taylor. How did that go? Nate Peterman, after five interceptions, was pulled shortly after halftime, and they brought back Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Richard Sherman tweeted during the game and said, quote, so they benched my guy Tyrod Taylor, and the guy they bring in has already thrown two picks with 10 minutes remaining. Not 10 minutes into the first quarter, 10 minutes remaining in the first quarter. Great decision, end quote. Obviously, sarcasm in the end of that tweet. Uh, Bills lose that game, by the way, uh, 54 to 24, albeit it was late. Most of the TDs for the Bills came after the quarterback switch during the game for the Bills. Listen, uh, Sean McDermott, man, uh, this is a very fireable offense. You were, you look at the record for the Bills. They're five and five now. They've lost three straight. They were above 500. Now they're at 500. Why? Because you chose to start a quarterback over another quarterback who wasn't causing any trouble to this football team. Uh, Listen, this is a very fireable offense for Sean McDermott. He will be lucky if he has a job going into the the following season. You, You cannot bench a guy, name a new starting quarterback, and expect that your job is completely safe after the guy you put in through five picks. And listen, maybe him putting Tyrod Taylor back could have saved his job Monday morning. I don't know. But gosh, that was a horrible, horrible decision. Uh, speaking of horrible decisions, Jerry Jones, horrible choice of words here. He's, of course, suing the NFL because of the Ezekiel Elliott drama, who's going to now serve a six-game suspension. Jerry Jones was quoted, however... Saying, quote, if you think Bob Kraft came after you hard, Bob Kraft is a blank, a five-letter P word, which is generally used to describe a certain body part of a woman. He used that word. He said, Bob Kraft is a P word compared to what I'm going to do. Okay, so first of all, he's this is like a big threat coming. Second of all, he's uh, calling Bob Kraft the P word. Uh... And according to Jonathan Kraft, Jerry Jones told Robert Kraft to, quote, take your medicine during Deflategate and told him to focus on football. Uh, so Jerry Jones is not doing himself any favors. This is reasons number, reasons one of a million why people just hate the Cowboys. Jerry Jones is another one of them. And there are many reasons about Jerry Jones that we can get into. Listen, uh, I understand if the NFL could be in the wrong here. They could be. I don't know. No one knows. But to use that word, I mean, listen, we see it with our president. We see it with a lot of people that are out there in the public eye. When you use a certain word like this to try to get your point across, it doesn't work. It just does not work. It's a horrible choice of words by Jerry Jones, and uh, he, he's not doing anything right here. Uh, he, he's just not. You, you're, you're, no one's gonna. Don't expect people to take your side on anything when you talk like that. All right. Uh, I doubt many of you guys saw the KU football game on Saturday, and if you did, 
If you watch all of it, you're an Oklahoma fan. If you checked out early, you're probably a KU fan or you were just a bored person on Saturday. Nonetheless, if you did watch the game, you at least saw the beginning of it, uh, where Baker Mayfield, the quarterback of the Sooners, he uh, offered to shake hands with KU players. And by the way, there were two kids in KU gear that were also at midfield for the coin toss and the KU players in front of these kids decide not to shake hands. Baker jokingly acted offended by this. Then during the game, he started trash talking with a few fans, said they're a basketball school focused on basketball, and then started doing a taunting gesture where he uh, grabs his junk. And after the game, he was in a lot of fire for this, and he immediately apologized for all of this. Listen, man, uh, this Baker Mayfield kid, uh, great player, but... His attitude is going to rub off the wrong way in it. Something like that could really hurt his draft stock. It really could. You don't want a guy like this if he's going to continue to, to do all the things. He's got a bad history of, of things off the field. He really does. So, uh, listen, I'm not, I'm not saying KU players were in the right. They should have shook hands. Even if a player may be disrespectful, you still do the right thing and shake their hands. You do that. But, man, Baker Mayfield took it to another level and made things even worse. This is why guys like him are not a role model and kids should not be looking up to him. When you have little kids that don't necessarily understand some of these off-the-field incidents and when they watch Baker Mayfield, they think he's an amazing quarterback. But they they look up to a guy in someone who's really not a good role model. And listen, I get their college players. Don't make that excuse. I've been 18 years old, 19, 20, 21, 22. I, I've been at that age before. And I've I, I've managed to stay out of trouble. I, I never did things where... And I, not that I'm saying I was ever a collegiate athlete, but gosh. People go out on weekends. They do. And I've always managed to stay out of trouble and not get into any fights or do anything that would get me into trouble. A lot of college kids do that. And when athletes do it, people make excuses for them about their age. I just don't understand it. Stop making excuses for this guy saying he's a kid and he's learning. A lot of people are at, at that age, and they're not doing the things that he's doing. Shame on him, man. You cannot be able to do that. And it's going to be hard for uh, parents to allow their kids to want to look up to a guy like Baker Mayfield. A guy who's got an NFL future, but maybe not a good placement in the draft if he keeps this up. And that's going to be one thing that scouts and general managers are going to talk to him about about when they show interest in him and consider drafting him. Not a good luck for Baker Mayfield. That'll do it for this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. I'm Farzee Vasugi. I appreciate you guys downloading and listening to this episode of the podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. Share the podcast links on social media. Helps the podcast out greatly. Speaking of social media, facebook.com slash Farzee That's my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on there. Also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. You guys can also email me, Farzine at Farzine Dot com. Not the kind of game I wanted to recap, but hey, look, we always have fun doing the podcast, win, lose, or tie. Always appreciate you guys downloading and listening to the show. I mentioned earlier, the numbers for this podcast have been ridiculous this year, and I always appreciate you guys uh, for being a part of this podcast. The interaction, the Facebook Lives, the tweets, whatever the case may be, always appreciate you guys interacting with me and being part of the podcast, and let's continue to do that moving forward, as always. Uh, I, I was going to try to get the podcast out a little sooner this week because of Thanksgiving week, but 
Uh, won't be able to do that necessarily, so the podcast will once again be out on Thursday. But hey, I mean, sure, surely you've got plenty of time to be able to listen to podcasts. Uh, so the the podcast will be out Thursday morning on Thanksgiving, so you can download that early in the morning. Get that on your mobile device, whatever it may be you listen to, and listen to it as you travel. So hopefully you can make that part of your weekend in some way, shape, or form. But nonetheless, you'll still have plenty of time, as always, to listen to the podcast. So that'll be out Thursday morning. We'll preview the game between the Chiefs and the Bills. Until then, enjoy your week. Talk to you then.